Welcome to Interviews for Mogul. I'm your host, Jessica Lips, and I'm honored to introduce this month's guest, Gabrielle Bernstein. A spiritual teacher for our time, Gabby speaks internationally on the topics of happiness, meditation, manifestation, and more. She has created online courses and a popular video blog, regularly contributes to the Dr. Oz Show and other media outlets, was named to Oprah's Super Soul 100 list as a next-generation thought leader, and live co-hosted the Guinness World Record Largest Guided Meditation with Deepak Chopra. Gabby is the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Universe Has Your Back and has written five additional bestsellers. Her newest book, Judgment Detox, Release the Beliefs That Hold You Back from Living a Better Life, comes out this month. Clearly, this is an amazing woman. And I'm going to stop there so that we can start learning from her. Gabby, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you. I just want to start at the beginning and talk a little bit about who you are and your background. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Westchester, New York in Larchmont, right outside New York City. Did you go to college? If yes, where? And what did you study? I went to Syracuse University and I got a BFA in theater. In theater? Yes. I'm a performer even to this day. I'm on stage every other week, and I have had to really harness a lot of the skills that I learned in theater school as a result of being a motivational speaker. So I look back and really, I've used a lot of what I learned. Where does the spiritual part of your work and your life come in? My spiritual background came when I was growing up as a child. I was brought up in a very spiritual home, and I was also very involved in my local youth group and really was already at the age of 14 leading people around spiritual conversations. So that was a seed that was planted at a very young age. And I don't think that there was ever a part of my life that wasn't a spiritual part of my life. I think that was always a through line. No matter where I was, no matter how difficult things were for me, I always had a spiritual practice. In your books, you don't talk about God necessarily. You talk about the universe. Is your own personal belief still religious? No, I don't teach anything religious or really practice religion at this point in my life. I have a spiritual faith. Everything I teach is completely non-denominational. And the beauty of it is that people from all religions can join in the conversation and apply these principles to whatever original belief systems they may have from the religious choices that they've made. So there's beauty in it being non-denominational because it can meet everyone where they are. So if you grew up with this sense of spirituality, how did that parlay into doing this as a career? Early in my 20s, I had a bit of a quarter-life crisis where I decided to change my life around. I got sober when I was 25 years old. And in my sober recovery, I started to really reclaim my spiritual roots. And very quickly in that practice of being on the spiritual path for myself, I started to feel called to share what I was learning. And so I started to put on my own talks, invite people to come and give talks for free or give $20 at the door or whatever people could afford or suggest a donation. And I just started talking very publicly about what I was experiencing on my sober path and on my spiritual path. I started doing that at 25 years old. Uh, it's been since 13 years now that I've been on this journey. So here you are now, and you have these huge live workshops and thousands of followers. It's very humbling and interesting to hear where you started, which was doing these free sessions. Yep, absolutely. So you have just released your book, Judgment Detox, and I wanted to know why this book and why now? So the why this book was 
coming for a while. There was about two years that this book was coming for me before I even wrote it. And I had workshops and material, and it was really clear that I needed to write this book. When I wrote my book, The Universe Has Your Back, which came out a year ago, I had written a chapter called All About Releasing Judgment. And so when I wrote that chapter, I remember finishing the chapter, and I was like, oh, no, this is a book. (laughs) And it was material I had been practicing and working on and cultivating, but it was really clear to me that it was the next step in my literary career. So I uh, I saw that book was like the month that the universe has your back came out because I knew that it was just so timely. So it was clear to me that this body of work on judgment was such a big topic that it had to be its own book. And then the the why now it's really God's work that it's coming out now. To be honest, I don't really plan my books based on world events or what's happening necessarily. I've always written my books based on what I felt my readers needed and what I was going to feel healed by writing. And this book, I did the same. I I wrote it based on what I felt like I was going to be healed by writing because judgment was such a pervasive issue in my own life. And then, of course, as the universe would have it, it was exactly what everyone needed because we're living in the most divisive times that I've ever known in my lifetime. And it's a topic that has become an epidemic, and it's something that has to be addressed from the root cause condition, which is the judgment being the root of all the issues that we're seeing these days. So if we can begin to change our judgmental patterns on a personal level, we can have a greater impact on a global level. And so that's the intention behind this book. Talk to us a little bit about judgment and what it is so that as somebody listens to this interview, they can start thinking about ways that they might judge. What What are you referring to when you say judgment? I think that any time that we are separating ourselves from others, whether we're making ourselves better or less than, whenever we're in a criticism of another person, an idea or a group of people, or whenever we're finding ways to create that type of separation. There is a difference, though, between discernment and judgment. I think that's a really important message for everyone to hear. Discernment really is when we recognize something doesn't feel morally right to us. And so it may not be safe, or it may not be the right decision to make. Whereas judgment is more based on separation and attack and the experience of creating that separation amongst ourselves and others. One of the most powerful things I read in your book is that judgment isn't just about what you project onto others. It's also about judging yourself. Yes, the entire book's six-step process can be applied towards your relationship to somebody else or other people, or it can be applied to yourself. So it's really important to realize that when we judge others, we're actually just projecting out a disowned part of our own shadow part of ourselves that we don't want to see. We have to see that it's all a cycle, that when we're judging someone else, it's because we're projecting out something we don't want to feel within. Obviously, when we do judge others, then we start judging ourselves. So it becomes a vicious cycle that I speak about in the book. In the book, you talk about how do you address this vicious cycle and how to find relief. And you do talk about this six-step process that you just mentioned. So can you talk us through the six-step process? Sure. So the first step is to witness your judgment without judgment. And that step is designed to really help you become the witness of your pattern because we can't really change a pattern until we've actually looked at it. And so that's an important step, quite crucial to begin to take ownership. But it's also to look at it without judgment means that we aren't judging ourselves for the judgments that we have. So that's a really important second part of that 
to look at your judgment. And then the second step is kind of a judgment is a, a feeling of inadequacy or a feeling of separation or a feeling of not being good enough or a feeling of, of needing to be in control. And we use judgment as a way of staying safe. So that's a whole step on honoring the wounds and using a practice called emotional freedom technique to help heal those wounds. Um, the third step is to put love on the altar. And this is a step where we really begin to change the way we look at things and stop putting judgment as the primary force and start putting a more loving thought as the primary thought form behind what we what we do and what we create. And then the fourth step is to see for the first time, which is beginning to get into the practice of seeing people through the lens of compassion and see how we can shift our relationship from the people that we've once judged to seeing them in their innocence through the practice of compassion. Step five is to meditate on oneness, and there are six meditations in that step that are all designed to lead someone towards creating more oneness. And then the sixth step is to forgive. And I put that forgiveness step at the very end, and that's a really important one. And it's hard. Is your idea that once somebody has gone through the first five steps of your process, that by the time they hit the sixth one, by the time they hit forgiveness, it will be a little bit easier because they've already gone through most of the process? Talk to us about forgiveness and how somebody does it. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think they have to go through the process of the six steps to get to the place where they can let forgiveness set in. When you open up to receive the experience of forgiveness, it begins to come into your life and you start to open up to it. And all of the steps leading up to that final step are steps that are just cultivating the uh, awareness and expansiveness within so that you can become uh, someone who is ready to forgive. I believe that forgiveness becomes easier over time But how about when someone has wronged you in such a difficult way for those that have been abused or abandoned or something else that is so traumatic? Um, Could you talk a little bit about forgiveness when it comes to those types of things? Yeah, and I do in the book really address some of the most difficult challenges that people face and how forgiveness can become something that is available to you. I share a story of a woman that was a mother of a child who was killed in the Sandy Hook shooting, and she went on the path towards forgiving Adam Lanza, the shooter, for her own sake, for her own well-being, because she knew that if she carried that resentment, she'd be continuing to relive that trauma every single day. I used her story, Scarlett's story, as an example for all of us, and if we can forgive the person who murdered our child, then we all have the capacity within us to forgive. And the steps of forgiveness are very passive, actually. Just having the willingness to forgive is the most important, crucial step in the pathway to forgiveness. And so that willingness comes when people open up their consciousness. And then the first five steps of the book really lead them to that place of being open and aware and willing and support that willingness. And they've done all the work around compassion and healing their wounds and really cultivating a presence of trust and faith in themselves in a higher power. And that's where the forgiveness becomes something that can be bestowed upon you. The nice thing I can say to you is you don't have to figure it out. No matter what's happened to you, this book will offer you a pathway to forgiveness if you're willing to receive it. That's amazing. I I wish that for everyone. It sounds very much like once you have become happier and more settled in yourself, then sometimes that 
that doorway for forgiveness opens a little bit easier. Exactly. Interesting. So something that really struck me when I read your book is in the sections where you talk about tapping and meditation. And by the way, if you could explain tapping to those that don't know, that that would be great. Actually, why don't we start there? Explain tapping, and then I'll ask you the question. So tapping is um, a acupuncture and therapy almost, and psychotherapy, where you tap on different energy meridians that stimulate parts of the brain to release stress and trauma. And while you're tapping on those meridians, you're also speaking about the event, the traumatic event, the moment that you felt ashamed, the the feeling of stress, whatever it is that you want to release. Tapping on these different points while you talk about the emotional event helps you heal the energetic disturbance that lives beneath the, the emotions that you carry today. And so when you heal those energetic disturbances, that's when you can have a long-lasting healing that will have a result of healing phobias or healing wounds that may be perpetuating all the judgments that you're having. And that's why I put it in the second step because it's a beautiful practice of really clearing away the wounds and healing the wounds so that you no longer feel that you need to judge to protect yourself from those wounds. Hmm. And what I found fascinating and what I really, really loved is that you created the meditations for the tapping. And in doing so, you don't just go straight to the positive. You actually start with the negative. You start with letting your feelings out. And then when you're ready, you work to the positive. In the tapping exercises, the goal is to speak about the disturbance so that you can allow the aspects of that disturbing event or experience or feeling to come to the surface so that they can then be restored. And when your brain is having the experience of being stimulated through these different meridians, it can allow you to unlock the feeling or the event, similar to like EMDR therapy which is another form of bilateral brain functioning that helps you release the trauma. You talk about the aspects of the problem, and it's almost like a tabletop. So each time you find a different aspect, it's like you're kicking out one leg of the table, and then you tap on the next aspect, and you kick out another leg of the table, and then another aspect is showing up, another leg, another leg, and then, and then the table collapses. And the collapsing of the table collapses the neural pathways that you've had so strongly connected to those patterns of of resentment or fear or anger or anxiety, and this is the pathway to really releasing it. So of the six steps, do you have a favorite, or is there one that works the best for you, that works the most quickly, or do you really have to do all six steps? I would recommend that you follow the six-step process and then choose the steps that really resonate with you and use them interchangeably, but I would recommend that you take the steps before you just take the one that you want to practice. I have to admit, when I opened the book and I started reading, I got a little bit overwhelmed by the idea of six steps. That felt like a lot as I started to really get into all the work that needed to be done. So how long does this judgment detox take for the average person? I think the average person can do this judgment detox in six weeks. They could do a step a week. A step a week. Okay. And then- They could do it faster. They could do it slower. It depends on what the person's up for. (laughs) And then once you're done with the six weeks or however long it takes, how do you recommend continuing the practice so that you can continue to be well, on Well, the last a, chapter yeah. of the book is how to live the judgment detox. And so I've given all these different ways that people can um, really stay connected to the practices of the judgment detox and let them 
you know, be a part of their life, not just this one moment in time where they did this success process, but that they can really begin to live the practices, see them come into form. I gave examples of how these tools can be used interchangeably and that they don't have to be dedicated to this one, six weeks of your life. So that's the good news is that this is something that I want people to practice forever so that it becomes second nature to begin to live in that way. And even though it's a six-week process to get through, approximately... It would be a lot shorter if somebody wants to go faster. It depends on the person. So however long it takes to get through the process, how soon can somebody start seeing changes or start to feel different? Within chapter one, immediately. There was a woman who couldn't get pregnant for two years. Within the month and a half of practicing the judgment detox, she got pregnant. There's stories of people healing relationships that they had been holding resentments for decades people feeling relief within one week of practicing the steps. I mean, it's immediate results. Wow. And how has the practice affected your own life? Well, it's made me, one, number one, really no longer tolerant of judgment. So when I find myself in judgmental patterns, which, of course, I will because I'm human, I feel an immediate responsibility to, to shut up or change the subject. So... I've changed as a result. The pattern has dramatically changed. And then, in addition, it's made me feel more connected. And so I feel like a deeper sense of relationship because when you take away judgment, it's a false sense of connection. When you're with friends or a loved one, you're in judgment, you're in a false connection. So when you take that away, you have to replace it with something deeper. And I've replaced it with a deeper connection to the people that I love with more elevated conversation. And it's helped my health. It's helped my my relationship with my husband, it's helped heal relationships with my family members, it's helped me manage and run my business and the people that work for me. It's, it's helped every corner of my life. I'm so deeply proud of this work, and I'm so excited for people to begin it. Mm, that's wonderful. So you feel those changes, and of course it's affected the people around you, but out of curiosity, has anyone shared with you directly how the changes that you've made has affected them, like they've noticed the difference? Yeah, my husband particularly, yeah. I think that he, he's definitely pointed out that the pattern of judgment has totally changed. Not walking around making that my default. And that I changed the topic or I changed the conversation. And then I'm just more elevated at this point. So I just want to praise you. And I was really struck by how honest and vulnerable you were in the book because you really shared your own personal journey and your own personal experiences with judgment. I was so surprised because people look to you as the spiritual guru who has done so much and who is so, so wise. And it was interesting for me to see that even with all this advice you give to others, you still struggle with judgment and with other things in your own life. So is that something you can comment on a little bit? That Do you see kind of the paradox I'm talking about? Yeah. So I, I think my teaching style has been such that I feel more comfortable being authentic and honest about the ways that I detour and the ways that I am misaligned in the pursuit of helping my readers and audience members see themselves in me and recognize my humanness and to tell the story of how I've healed. And that's how I'll probably continue to teach for the rest of my life. Thank you for sharing. I just want to ask a few questions about who you are as a person and, and some advice you have for others. So this, this one's really general. Here you are, the spiritual guru. What are your tips for someone to lead their happiest life? Or what are some of the things you do for yourself to keep focused and energized and centered on positivity uh, and in alignment with the fact that the universe has your back? 
Well, one would be to heal judgment. The lower your tolerance for judgment, the happier you are. And that's been my experience. To have practices and, and manage stress, because I think that people can get stressed very easily these days. We're taken out very easily, and that stress creates resistance. And so having practices like meditation or emotional freedom techniques that really help us manage our stresses. And just to be in constant contact, really listening to our intuition and deepening and strengthening relationship to your inner wisdom. In addition to the judgment detox and your daily practices with that, do you have any other daily practices that you do that kind of keep you happy and, and on your game? Yes, absolutely. Exercise, walking outdoors, cooking is a big one for me, uh, writing, of course, reading, and just doing anything I can to just relax. Relaxation. I think we could all use more of that. Mm -hmm. So it is January, the brand new start of a new year. And as you start your year, what are your goals and what are you focused on for 2018? I am focused on really deep relaxation, finding more space and time in my life for myself, and really healing my relationship to judgment even more. So of everything that you have learned over the years, what is your favorite mantra or your favorite teaching to return to that you'd like to pass on to others? It's a mantra from my friend, Dr. Wayne Dyer. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Oh, I love that. So you mentioned that when you were writing your last book, The Universe Has Your Back, the idea for the Judgment Detox came up. So when you were writing Judgment Detox, did something come up for your next book? Ooh, what a nice question. Um, well, I know what my next book is going to be. My next book is going to be called Super Attractor, and it's actually sort of a next step to The Universe Has Your Back. So it was almost like The Universe Has Your Back was the lead-in to that next, next book. <laughs> but very cool. Very cool question. So, so something I read in your book is stay committed to your own path and spread your light no matter what. Gabby Bernstein, that's what you are doing. We thank you so much for being with us today and for your time thank and you. your advice and your spiritual words of wisdom. It was great speaking with you, and we wish you all the best with Judgment Detox and with everything next in the new year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. This is Jessica Lips. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.